Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome one and all to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Network. Talking lots of college football today. A man that was a legendary college football player. Won a title with LSU under Nick Saban. A guy that knows the game inside and out. A guy that you know very well here on the Believe Network. The one and only Josh Booty joins us today. Good morning, Josh. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me on the show. And it is a huge football week, man. We got tons and tons and tons of action. We got it broke down. Start tonight, actually. We get two games tonight, two small college games tonight. But this week's fantastic, dude. There's all kind of a breakup of games Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Here we go. Thursday, three NFL games. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, man, like, you've got to be happy. You're still highly involved with high school football as well, college as well. I know you have your pulse on LSU, so we'll go right there. A man, the last time we spoke, I uh, had suffered a tough defeat at the hands of my Florida State Seminoles. You've been busy all season, so it's been tough to wrangle you. Uh, but we got you now on the precipice of uh, finishing out the season and facing the SEC title game with Georgia, where a lot of people think if LSU wins, they can be in the playoff. Where are you at right now with the college football season as you see Tennessee go down, Ohio State falter but find a way to win, Michigan falter but find a way to win, uh, USC doing everything they can to lose versus UCLA. It feels like all the playoff teams outside of even Georgia struggled last weekend are doing everything they can to make uh, find their way outside of the playoffs. Yeah, I think there's a ton of teams that are kind of sitting on the edge of their seat you know, seeing what, what's going to happen, how this thing plays out this week is huge. Rivalry weekend is huge for the college football landscape. And teams like Clemson uh, have big games. You know, USC plays Notre Dame. They get them at home, which is awesome. And then you got those huge showdown in Columbus with Michigan and Ohio State. LSU plays an A&M team uh, at A&M uh, that has struggled mightily this year. And I played for Jimbo. Fisher, I you know head coach of the Aggies, and I know how frustrated he has to be. He's played three quarterbacks this year, and now is starting a freshman in Connor Weidman, who is a, a kid that I know really well. But you know, when it, it's hard to start a, a freshman against a team like LSU that plays such good defense, that's well coached, and and think that you have a real chance with a lot of freshmen on the field. I mean, I think they played 22 of their freshmen that they signed last year. Uh, in big games this year in the SEC. So, you know, kind of a recipe for a learning experience, to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm excited for LSU. They, they go on the road to A&M, and then, uh, and then in the SEC championship, they'll get a crack at Georgia, which, you know, to go, to, to go and win a national championship, uh, you know, everything runs through Georgia this year with them being number one uh, most of the year. I know Bama's uh, held that spot several weeks early in the season, but – you know, uh, Georgia defending national champions in Atlanta, you know, in Georgia, in the state of Georgia is going to be a tall task. But LSU has surprised some people this year. And, uh, you know, uh, we lost to your Seminoles early. And I yes. and I called I called LSU big to win that <laughs> game in the Superdome in New Orleans, and they didn't win. And I, I was pulling my hair out, you know, for the last, you know, 10 or so weeks. But at the same time, LSU's responded, man, and they've grown up and, we have an experienced quarterback, and we're playing good defense. So we'll see. I think we got a chance. So I don't know if you. I'm. I'm just doing it. I'm full honesty because I know when you were at LSU, uh, and I was trying to see if you crossed over with Jimbo. But I'm sure 
even if you didn't play under him, you were spending plenty of time at LSU while he was there as the offensive coordinator. And that's what I was worried about. Uh, making a name for uh, himself and uh, Saban making mm-hmm. a name for himself. Um, <laughs> we What we've seen from Jimbo Fisher in the last, I would say, two to three years at FSU and really his entire tenure at Texas A&M is something that's a little confusing to me because usually recruiting is a thing that's tough for coaches to get. When you're able to recruit, no matter how and you are as a coach, you can find a way to win and matter. Jimbo Fisher, even at A&M, is, and someone recruited pretty well. Fisher's taken it to another level. He's been top six to eight every year. And this last year, not only he was number one, he said with what Saban can do and what we've seen at LSU and with what um, we've seen at Georgia under Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher broke records with what he did, even with NIL. However he did it, he did it this year. That class he put together was utterly ridiculous, okay? And they're having their worst year, and I get it. Recruits don't play that next year. But usually when you have a really good recruiting class, it means you have talent, and especially in year five, it means you're ready to take a step. They took a step the wrong way. What are you What are yeah. you seeing with A&M this year? And it feels like, look, what I'm hearing is he's, he's very similar to at the end of FSU. He's not recruiting. His coaching has become lackadaisical, sort of the kind of thing that where you saw him tap out at FSU. What are you hearing? I know you're too plugged into the SEC. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are your thoughts on what's going on at A&M and with Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, you know, they're not scoring points, and it all starts probably with the offensive line, and they've had some big injuries in that at that position group, and and they have a lot of young wideouts that he's trying to bring up. And, you know, he doesn't run the spread. He doesn't run the RPO stuff as much as some of the other colleges uh, do, like, for instance, uh, you know, Ole Miss and, or Alabama uh, in terms of, you know, scoring a ton of points and, and lighting up the scoreboard. They do it with balance, and he's always done it with balance. Even at Florida State and LSU and places he's been, he's had, you know, a lot of tight end stuff, a lot of two, three wide receiver stuff. Pro, you know, the pro style offense and a little play action, you know, two back set, you know, that's, that's Jimbo Fisher. And people are wondering, has the game passed him up? Now mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he's, he is one of the great coaches in the game. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the great recruiters in the game. There's no doubt about it. He did recruit the number one class of all time last yeah. year, but it's, these guys have to come along. They have to come along and he's got to coach them to come along. Right. So next year is going to be a huge year for him. Uh, you know, and, and people are saying he's on the hot seat already. But next year, these kids are going to be sophomores that played this year in games. Like I mentioned, 22 freshmen are playing in games. Connor Whiteman, the five-star kid out of Houston, yep, yep. Uh, you know, is, is the starting quarterback now. And he's, he's pretty much worked his way in, uh, in and around Haynes King and Max Johnson, Brad's son, the Florida State guy, yep, you know, yep. of course, and Super Bowl MVP type guy, I mean, a quarterback. And so – I think, you know, the the sky the sky's the limit for them with the freshmen, but they've all got to come along. They've all got to stay hungry. They've all got to learn, uh, you know, the things that they need to learn. And I think that's what Jimbo's chalked it up to this year, about midway through the year, is, hey, I'm going to get all these guys playing time so that next year we can make a big jump in terms of, uh, you know, experience, in terms of explosiveness on offense, in terms of, of understanding the game and to where they can win next year. You know, the SEC's tough week in, week out. Now, A&M's never suffered this type of season. I think it's been since, like, 1965 or 45 where they, you know, they're 
they're just not having a good year, and they 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 don't put any points on the board. But that's that's going to have to change next year for Jimbo to keep his job long term. And I know he's got that huge contract and the buyout, but the pressure's on, man. When you get paid that much money, the pressure is going to be on in places like a And there's only about 15, 20 places in the country where the pressure's on fast, and it's a pressure cooker, and A&M's one of them. And you cannot lose and think that you're going to stay around long. So he's got a huge job in this year, in the offseason, to develop those guys for next year. Well, and talking, interesting, uh, the way people are talking is like it's a done deal. So it's interesting you think, and look, it makes sense. I mean, he just put this class together. You, at least it's finally the quarterback he's been looking for a while at, at A&M, really his highest rated guy at A&M, the quarterback position that he's recruited. So it makes sense to give him a year with the kid. I get it. Uh, it's just A&M fans don't sound like that. But, you know, uh, fans are here in LSU, uh, alum and fans. So if you know crazy fans and passionate fans, it, it's you. Uh, a organization, a, a program that did not move into next year with their coach, and he was only there. It was very Willie Taggart-ish uh, coming from a G5 success Mr. Brian Harson out at Auburn. The rumors are swirling, and a lot of people out of the Auburn base was saying they should go after Lane Kiffin. Well, yesterday news broke that Lane Kiffin was stepping down. It was news to Lane Kiffin himself, as Lane Kiffin said, that's not happening. He mocked the reporter who said it, which, again, us in Miami know differently. Just because a coach mocks someone and talks about not leaving, well, Nick Saban ended up at Alabama. So we've seen, just because you speak, the lady doth protest too much, Lane Kiffin. Just because Lane Kiffin shuts it down doesn't mean the rumors are shut down. What do you? Th- what are your thoughts on, like, the Ole Miss job as opposed to Auburn? I get there are different echelons in the SEC. Auburn's won multiple titles. Almost hasn't. Almost, yeah. I don't know if it's even, has played for multiple, has played for a championship. But they there is money there. <laughs> There's a rabid fan base, and he is winning there. Like, what tier would you put Ole Miss versus Auburn and do you do you see it as a possibility that Lane Kiffin could leave Ole Miss for Auburn uh, yeah I think it's a it's a real possibility and we could see it as soon as you know this this the egg bowl's over on Thursday oh, wow. I mean I, I don't I don't know for sure I'm close to the program uh you know because I, I played for Lane my brother played yep. for Lane yep. I've got buddies there they all think that he's He's on his way out, but, um, you know, there's a chance he could stay. He built something unbelievable. Last year he had 10 wins. If he wins the Egg Bowl in the, in, uh, in the bowl game this year, he'll have 10 wins. They're sitting at 8-3, and three and they struggled last week. They mightily in a game that they everybody thought that they would win against Arkansas, and Arkansas just punched them in the mouth and gave them a good ass-whipping, <laughs> you yeah, know. But yeah. I, think, I, think that, I think that he sees um, potentially – what you mentioned about Auburn winning national championships in the past, the the the, the recruiting ground uh, compared to the you know the the way that Ole Miss yeah. traditionally recruits, and he's been able to develop some unbelievable offenses, and he's been able to get great quarterbacks. But those guys will follow him wherever he goes because yeah. they'll they know that they'll have success at that position. Uh, so he runs the ball well. To be honest with you, not a lot of people really really know that. Their run game and their running attack, I think, is first in the SEC. So you couple his passing attack, the wideouts getting the rock, a lot of a lot of big play possibilities, and a run game that's sound uh, in the SEC with guys that are not usually as big and fast and strong at Ole Miss as they are at some of the other schools, especially in the West, because the West has been traditionally tougher than the East in the SEC recently. So I think what he's been able to accomplish. 
first 10-win season in Ole Miss history last year. They've never done that. Even with Eli Manning, they never did that. So he's done some amazing things. I think he, wherever he goes, he's going to have success, and there's a real good possibility he'll be at Auburn because the money's going to be better. They're going to bump him up and pay uh, considerably is what I'm hearing. Um, that's that's the offer. So we'll see. But, um, you know, Cadillac Williams is doing a good job there. We've seen him win some games at Auburn already. And so don't count out some of the other things that could potentially happen at Auburn. All right, so I know you're an SEC guy, and you cover the SEC extremely well. And we always love talking SEC football. I want to take it out of the SEC for a second, as you, you we, I brought it up, and then you countered uh, with uh, your <laughs> thoughts on what FSU LSU was going to be. And I felt a little different, and I was more spot on. But again, you're in that LSU, you and you saw this LSU, right? Like you've been around LSU enough, or you saw what they could be, and it was a new system. So game one. You know, it, they weren't what we've seen now. Jaden Daniels is a legitimate Heisman candidate. They are playing mm-hmm. as good as anyone. In, yeah, they struggled a week or so ago. But, again, we're seeing Arkansas is game. Just because you struggle with Arkansas, does it, it's no slight to you. So, LSU is playing as well as anyone. I also follow yeah. FSU closely. So, I knew that everyone keep, kept <laughs> seeing FSU the last four years. And I'm like, yeah, but you understand, if you watch every game, the record isn't as – it's. Not, I get Bill Parcells says your record's who you are. But if mm-hmm. sometimes you're missing things by not watching a team play by play, and I could see FSU growing to this, where they were building the offensive line, building the defensive line, turning Jordan Travis into an actual quarterback from a guy that a lot thought could be, including myself, a slot receiver. And I was wrong, very wrong about Jordan Travis. And they were just building the talent, and they were working the transfer portal as well as anyone. And when you do that, you can turn around in year three, and we've now seen that with FSU, where I don't know where they're going to end up. But it is night and day when you watch them. The way that, look, the last few years, even with Norvell, let alone before, when they would have the games that they're supposed to win, they would either lose or it would be a dogfight. They're taking these games seriously. When they're playing top 25 teams, even with injuries, they're in these games. It does feel like a very different Florida State team. And I know you've been around that program a little bit. I know we've talked with you about it. So I wanted to ask you, like, just how different is Florida State now compared to before from what you've seen? Oh, man, I think Norvell, you mentioned it, it's just a huge turnaround in terms of, you know, the way that they go about their business, the defensive side of the ball especially, I was super impressed with. Um, you know, they've had a huge statement here. I mean, they've had some games like uh, against the you know, against the U uh, here in Miami. I mean, they absolutely hammered them, took care of business, and went, you know, next week. You know, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, and that's how you have to be. If you're better than a team, you don't play down to a team. Yep, Florida yep. State in, in recent years has yep. always played a lot of close, you know, ugly ball games, even if they've won. And, and and you know, as as you're building and growing as an organization, you want to raise the profile of that organization. And that's what Norville's been able to do. And it's been fun to watch because, yeah, I had no I – had, I had no real gut feeling on what they could do against LSU early. Uh, they had played a small school first game yeah, of the yeah. year. Yeah, and Duquesne, I think, yep, and Duquesne, good job, and uh, and you know, and LSU and Brian Kelly had new, nine new staff members, you know, new quarterback, new position players all over the field, and and FSU came in and exposed that early in the game, and LSU tried to play catch up at the end and couldn't oh, do it, and so that's a great win on the road, really, in New Orleans and Louisiana against LSU, and but they've been able to handle their business, and there's there's been several times this year where. You know they were they they probably should have come out a winner and they didn't and they got several losses I know that I think three losses but yes. at the same time when you when when Florida State shows up now you know you're in for a real battle and they play great team defense and they score some points so I mean 
I think the balance is there. The the chemistry's there. Uh, the chemistry's huge. You know, yeah. the chemistry is very huge, and they they've had a statement year, man. I'm I'm proud of the way that they've turned around. I think it's great for college football. Well, and and you said something. Talked about rebuilding and turnarounds, and you are. I know you're. You split time between down here. Uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, like you're all over the place, but I know you do spend time down here. So talking about turnarounds and rebuilds down here in South Florida, uh, they're going through, they want to be going through a turnaround. It doesn't feel like they're turning around just yet. Uh, We have seen, look, and again, Norvell didn't do it in year one, and I understand, but again, Norvell had a, a different set of expectations than Mario Cristobal does have in Miami. We've seen Ole Miss seem to turn it around quickly with Lane Kiffin, but we've also seen teams like Michigan State and Baylor feel like they turned it around, and then this year happened where they sort of backslid. When you look at what Mario Cristobal, the money Miami's put into that staff, put into uh, the head coach, and then you see what they're doing on the field what do you do with that? Because a lot of Kane fans still have a lot of faith, and I'm not saying you get rid of Cristobal. Obviously, I get that. But I don't know where they get the faith, and I get what he did with Oregon, but this is a very different situation to me. When you see Miami and you hear people talking about, okay, it's year one, what are your thoughts on this year, and what are your thoughts on the future with Cristobal and the Canes? Well, I think he's got to get a lot more production on the offensive side of the ball. It's been there's been it's just kind of been a dud on offense for them, and that, that that keeps the defense on the field and that dynamic, that football dynamic. It's it's tough if you're not moving the football and you start giving up points and you're leaving that defense out there on the field. And I know Cristobal's a good coach. I know that Miami's going to be able to recruit players, but they better do it fast because. It, it can, it, you know, it, there can be a downward spiral if you continue to lose, you know, all the big games and and the games that are noteworthy and the national stage games. And, you know, I, I just think that he's got to figure out a way to get productive on offense to give that defense a little bit of a break because it looks like they, you know, they're just out there on the field way too long. And I've watched them several games. I don't watch them near as close as I do some of the other uh, you know, the, the SEC and some of the other ball clubs that I follow. But I do watch them, and I see that there's some there, there, there's there's some growing up to do for them. And we thought that they were going to have a great year, and I think that's been the biggest disappointment with the with the quarterback and him coming back and him being an NFL prospect. And he's kind of taken himself out of that, that first-round type of uh, opportunity because just before the season, everybody said, this is kind of the sleeper kid right here. Yep, he's a big, yep. strong, tough, athletic. Yep. He's a Kyle Trask-type player. You know, he can do a lot of good things, and he can. But he's, he's you know, they, they haven't been productive, and he's taken, he's taken a lot of hits. And they're in a lot of, you know, third and long situations. They're in a lot of situations where they're down in ball games, and he's having to throw, and they become one-dimensional. And it's very, very tough to have success that way. So they can pin their ears, come, you know, and come after you, and then you're doomed as a quarterback. It, we've seen it at every level. We see it at every level every week. You know, bad teams that, that kind of spiral down in, in the second half of ball close of ball games because, um, you know, they're behind. They're behind and down in distance, and they're behind in the ball game, and they become one dimensional. So Miami's got to figure out a way to stay balanced and stay productive on offense. Uh, before we let you go, and I do want to talk about some of the things you got going on now. It's a degenerate world, and you know we're very big into gambling. And you started are involved in a site that is like the dream for degenerate and, and gamblers. So uh, I do want to touch on that. But before we let you go, I brought up the playoffs before. I want to get back to the reality uh, of the, the playoffs going forward. As it's funny, Tennessee seemed like they might coast into a playoff spot. They were number five, 
and they only mm-hmm. had one loss, and they didn't have they don't have to play in the SEC championship, which actually for them is a positive. That's one more tough opponent that they don't have to face, and they did beat Alabama. So it felt like when Michigan and Ohio State play, they're probably going to walk in. Well, they lost this weekend, and they got drubbed by an average South Carolina team. So they're out. Uh, to me, who's next in line is that team we just talked about a lot from Baton Rouge. Um, sitting there, bumped up. They have a big game versus a top opponent. What are your thoughts on the playoffs, and how do you think it shakes out? As we're getting to this point where it feels like we just assume they're set, and then you see Tennessee lose, and you've, you've seen Alabama go down. You've seen, you've seen some things happen that we weren't expecting. What are you, where do you think we go when it comes to the college football playoff? Yeah, this, I mean, that's a super loaded question this time of year, man. It gets super interesting. I mean, Notre Dame, you know, I, I look at, I, I kind of take it from the West and across the country. I mean, you know, USC, Notre Dame, that this, this week's game is going to be huge. And it's at SC. Yep. They love that they're, they're five point favorites at home. They're super high scoring. They're dynamic on offense. Notre Dame's been playing well, though, and they're balanced and they yep. run the football. And, they don't give up a lot on defense. So that matchup's going to be huge. I think SC wins because at home it'll be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think Clemson-South Carolina is an interesting game this week because South Carolina pummeled Tennessee last week. And, and, and what a difference a, a week makes, right? I mean, Hendon Hooker's out for the year now, and Tennessee's out of the playoff picture. But Clemson could be bounced pretty quickly, too, if South Carolina – uh, plays like they did last week, they'll hammer Clemson because Clemson's not a, very explosive on offense, in my opinion. I think this Ohio State-Notre Dame, I mean, Ohio State-Michigan game is huge. I mean, in terms of, every, you know, of, of all the implications because both those teams could get in. And, and if they play a close game, if Michigan plays a close game on the road in Columbus, I think both those teams could potentially get in if USC and Clemson loses. So we got to really watch that. And then TCU's got several tough games left. They've got a Big 12 championship game where they're going to have to play Kansas State. Kansas State's no slouch. I saw them play live against Oklahoma, and I was down there on the field, and I'm like, Kansas State's got monsters. They look made Oklahoma look small. And so Kansas State is, is a team that could surprise TCU, and I know they, TCU's got a big game this week. So I think they've got two tough – they've probably got the toughest road to get there uh, other than maybe LSU having to go through Georgia and play in Georgia. I mean, that's going to be – a real, real test. And I can't wait to see what that line comes out at. But uh, Georgia's got to be favored, you know, up there eight, nine, ten points just because of their complete dominance um, this year, especially on defense for them to grow grow up with a lot of those young defenders um, that were back up last year uh, on that national championship team and play the kind of defense. And, and it's like they picked up where they left off last year. So yeah, I like Georgia. I like Ohio State because they're at home. I like – uh, right now, I like a TCU and Clemson, but but if SC rolls, if uh, and they've got a Pac-12 championship game where they're going to have to play Oregon, and then um, you know if TCU continues to roll, I think they could be in there because the chances of, of Clemson lose, losing this week is they don't don't count South Carolina out. They're hot right now, <laughs> and Spencer Rattler's got the hot hand, so that game is going to be super interesting. Uh, in the in the grand scheme of things, so I kind of I got I kind of bounced around there all over, but I think there's some <laughs> pivotal games this week that that are that are that loom large for this thing. I, I mean, there are there's there's monster games this week, and then this Ohio State Michigan game is going to be huge to kind of tell the story of what's happening in the and 
uh, you know, in the Big Ten, and is Michigan, can they handle their business? Can Ohio State handle theirs, or is it a really, really close game? And maybe both those teams get in because of Tennessee losing last week. All right, before we let you go, you brought up something uh, that we're very familiar here on uh, After Hours uh, with Defoe and Luby and our show we do each and every day that you've also been on, the Defoe Show with Luby. The line, we love dabbling in degeneracy. We call it, but gambling. Gambling is huge, and your smart man got in on the action. BulaChallenge.com. What's going on? We haven't talked to you in a while. We know you were in the early stages with it. What's going on with BulaChallenge.com? Yeah, we're version one right now. We're on the app on Android uh, store, uh, nice. Google Play, app on Google Play, and when you can download it now. Like I said, we're version one, so what you see now when you get on isn't what it's going to be like in a year, but, man, it's exciting. Lula Challenge is the first ever peer-to-peer social uh, challenge app or gambling app, so you can challenge, dare, wager your friends on the blockchain in the social environment. That's the first ever social blockchain play out there where – uh, you know, it's a kind of a call to action app uh, for people to talk trash and have fun and, and bet each other. And, you know, and we're putting we're going to put the wallet functionalities and tokenization. and All that's coming uh, by probably March or April of 2023. So that's going to be really, really gets fun because there'll be banking involved in the deal and, and stuff. But right now it's uh, kind of the Disney version of gambling, so to speak, where you can call out your buddies on the blockchain for everybody to see. Um, but there is no money exchange on that, but it's coming and we can't wait to that point, uh, of, of where, you know, when our company gets there, but, but it's, it's fun, man. And we, we've got a couple of college football parties in the SEC, uh, and we launched, we launched, uh, three or four weeks ago. So we're, we're having fun with it. So yeah, check out Bula challenge on the, uh, Apple, uh, on the Apple store. BulaChallenge.com. Check them out. Uh, talking college football with us. We love dabbling into the football world. Uh, good luck to your Tigers. Josh, appreciate it, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Anytime. All Have right. a good week. All right. Be well. The one and only Josh Booty with us here on After Hours. Defo and Luby. No Defo, just Luby today. If you are those LSU Tigers, if you're my Florida State Seminoles, if you are the Michigan Wolverines and you have some big games coming up and you're looking for victories to keep your season going, like we always like to say around after hours, around these parts, you gotta believe. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.